Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast. I am so honored to have my new friend on here, Sharon Tedford. Hi, Sharon. How are you? Hi, Jamie. I'm so well. Thanks so much for having me today. It was really great to meet you recently, and I'm really happy to be able to share with your friends here my story. Yes, we're looking forward to it, and I just want to let you listeners know that Sharon and I met recently at a writer's conference, and I got to say, automatically... I just fell in love with her eloquent English <laughs> accent. And but what's most admirable about her is her heart for Jesus and how she expresses it through her music and writing. It's so beautiful. And she is a songwriter, a worship leader, and she's written a book and created an album called Stand. And she has a great testimony to share with us about the changes life brings to us and how to stand faithful through it all. So Sharon, we're looking forward to how your God's story brought you to this point. Hmm. Thank you so much. You know, it's funny because we wouldn't even be talking. We wouldn't know each other. I would not have been at the Writers' Conference. I probably wouldn't even be a writer if I hadn't allowed God to make those changes in my life. So that's been really an exciting thing for us to see that, you know, when we allow God to make changes, exciting things happen. So we, we've we actually, you can probably tell that although I live in Texas, I'm not actually Texan. Yeah. And, I ha- and, I, and I have to say that I'm really pleased that you think I'm eloquent. That is just a gift of my <laughs> accent. <laughs> it makes me I love sing. it. My daughter wishes she had an English accent because sometimes she'll just want to talk that way just because she loves it so much. So, and the, the truth is, after once we know people a little while and they've been in our lives for a while, they they often sidle up to us and say, "Sharon, we have a confession," and we say, "Oh yeah, what's that?" And they say, "Well, we just want you to know that every time we leave you and we get in the car, we all speak in an English accent and we can't help it." <laughs> So you're not alone. <laughs> so in, and this month is a, it's a great time to be chatting to you because I just realized that 10 years ago tomorrow, we got the keys for our Texas house having just moved here. Um, mm. uh, uh, 10 years ago, we'd lived here for one month before we got the keys to our house. So as you can imagine, moving from England to the yes. um, Texas is a big change. We live in the Dallas Metroplex area. And in England, we lived in a tiny little village just north of Windsor Castle. We could see Windsor Castle from the top of the hill in our village. So (laughs) very different different from Dallas. Let me just say that. Very different. Culture shock. Just massively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you miss where you came from? I'm not Windsor Castle view. <laughs> it's funny because uh, we've just had some American friends who've just been there and they were posting pictures of Windsor Castle and the changing of the guard, which happens two or three times a week at different in different seasons. And it just made me remember how we had a weekly visit with whichever child. We have three children, so whichever child was around and not at school, I would take them 
and we would watch the changing of the guard just 10 minutes from our house mm-hmm. and then go home again and you know it just made me feel really homesick of you know that really special sort of time together one-on-one with each child at different stages in their lives but and we miss our family obviously we miss our family and our friends there's nothing that replaces that you know your family will always be your family and we found some fun ways to stay connected with them and we're so grateful for social media because that has been a really easy way to stay connected especially with our teenage nephews at the moment none of our nieces are teenagers yet but few of our nephews are and it's just an easy peasy way to stay connected funnily enough my dad actually emigrated to san antonio texas when he was a child And yeah, that goodbye for him and his parents, he was an only child. That goodbye was a very different goodbye from the one that we gave. Um, Because obviously it took, I think, six weeks, he says, to get letters back and forth. And so if there was an emergency, there was no way to contact your family way way back then. And actually, they didn't stay here because my grandma got tuberculosis and they couldn't afford um, the medical costs. So they put her on a ship and they all went home, <laughs> which is good. Oh. Otherwise, my yeah. dad wouldn't have met my mum. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. yeah. Well, We've had to learn. Yeah, you know, thank you. So we, we've just had to learn lots of different things that have helped us to assimilate with the culture and, you know, make this home. It was funny because one of our friends who we knew in England is actually from Alabama they lived in England for a few years and when when we were moving to America they were our people we were we need your help (laughs) how do we buy phone contracts Um, we've talked to them about mortgage and water rates and all the basic stuff that you need when you move that you've learned over the years but is completely different in another country and the best thing they taught us was to say it's not wrong, it's just different. Because you hit so many things that feel wrong. And so it was really helpful to be able to say that to the children who were four, seven, and 10 at the time. And they'd come home and say, oh, mommy, they did this wrong at school or they're saying it wrong or they're spelling it wrong. <laughs> that still happens. Um, but, <laughs> but we say, you know, it's, it's not wrong. It's just different. And that's been a really helpful phrase for all of us to live by. In fact, we find that is useful in, in lots of things and lots of times yeah. when you meet people of other opinions. You know, it's not wrong. It's just different. Yeah. You I know. was just going to say that. It doesn't yeah. have to be because you came from England. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Universal. Yes. I mean, especially thinking about we've just been recently talking about all of the controversy with Beth Moore, you know, that if we'd have just gone into that whole thought process with it's not wrong, it's just different, you know, then maybe maybe that conversation would never have happened. Yeah. I don't know. You yeah. know, it's a good way to think about the, the kingdom of God. That we have different opinions about things. And yeah, I would say some things are wrong, but driving on the right hand side of the road versus the left hand side of the road <laughs> is not wrong. <laughs> it yeah, might feel very I... odd, but <laughs> I bet that would be a major adjustment for sure. For real. And you would be surprised because actually people who drive on the right-hand side of the road, you're going to notice this now I've told you, people who drive on the right-hand side of the road also walk on the right-hand side of corridors. (laughs) (laughs) And so because we, for a long time, we just had not orientated ourselves to that at all. We would bump into people going around corners, you know, at school and at church because we would be on the left 
and you would be on the right and we would just crash because wow. we're used to walking on that side and the stairs in the mall and stuff. We always want to go up the left. No, everyone else is going up the right and coming down on yeah. what would be our left. So we had to just reorientate our whole world to the, yeah. to the to be righties and not lefties. So so now you're probably adjusted by Pretty now. much, pretty much. Yeah. We went home to England for a month. And so we had to drive on the left-hand side of the road. So we had to make sure that when we came home, we were very engaged in driving on the yeah. right, driving on the right. <laughs> Yes, that oh, was too funny. That was fun. That was fun. Okay, yeah. so I know you created an album and yeah. a book called mm-hmm. Stand, mm-hmm. and you have a ministry called 61 Things. Yeah. So tell me a little about how that all started for you and where your experience came from, your life changes and all that. Sure. Well, It's good to say that none of this would have happened. I think I said that already at the beginning, but none of it would have happened um, if we hadn't allowed God to move that change in our lives, to move us to another country, even though I found it very, very difficult. But let me tell you about my ministry first and then I'll shift back to that. I was at a Pink conference. I don't know if you know Pink. It's a conference that Gateway Church put on it used to be twice a year now it's just once a year okay um, hold on so it's not the pink rock star the, the <laughs> <pink>? <laughs> no it is I not. thought you might be saying pink the punk rocker <laughs> that would be great because I love yeah. her <laughs> yeah can you imagine if she loved well if she loved Jesus <laughs> can you imagine oh my goodness that would be awesome hey you know there's always a first look at Kanye West right exactly Bring it on, girl. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> so it was a, a, a women's conference that lasts two or three days at Gateway, which is a, a large church just down the road from us where Carrie Job, Robert Morris, lots of people that you would know. So it's well known. It's very well attended. There's probably, I don't know, 7,000 women there, maybe 8,000. So I was, I'm doing air quotes here. I hope you can see them. I was accidentally invited to go because um a friend of mine, her her buddy, who they've been going to this conference for years together, accidentally put in something else on that date that she couldn't move. And so my friend called me up the night before and said, do you think you can come tomorrow? Well, that was all day Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. And my husband has crazy hours and does weird traveling and stuff. And so, and at the time, we still had three children in school. And so I said to her, I, I doubt it. I'd love to. I'd really love to, but I doubt it. So I just kind of held the phone. It's hard when you're doing the single parenting thing yeah. while, you know, yeah. your husband's on travel. Business. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of covered the phone and said to my husband, I don't suppose you could be home for the drop off and pick up Thursday and Friday this week. And, you know, then it's going to be a 20 minute conversation about whether he can shift this and move that and. His response was immediate. And he said, yep, I can do that. Isn't that God? That (laughs) has happened to me before. And you are thinking the no, right? You're thinking, oh, he's going to say, I can't do that. I got this Mm -hmm. meeting, that meeting, Mm -hmm. and no way. But I just look at the times where I've seen my husband do that automatic 
well, sure. Yeah, yeah. let's go for it. Go for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. A green light. And you're yeah. going, okay, that is the Lord. <laughs> Hello. Exactly. For real. Without question. Without uh-huh. question. So at this conference, you can either come in and just sit wherever you want to, which is in the higher up seats, or you can pay a little bit extra and have a seat where you sit through the whole conference, which is kind of lower down. Well, because my friend does this every year with her buddy, they'd already booked their two seats. And so our seat was fixed. This was our seat. And that's important because uh, we went for lunch in the middle of the conference. They kind of say, today you go off site for lunch. So we went off, had lunch. When we came back, tucked into every single one of the seats in the whole auditorium was an envelope. And inside the envelope was a word of prophecy. And every single one is different. Wow. It takes them a year (laughs) to do that. Yes. Like thinking, how fast did they do that? I know. Oh my goodness. Crazy. So they have a team of women who are trained and who who just sit and listen to this voice and, you know, Mm. write it down. And so my point is this was my seat Mm. all along. We didn't just sit somewhere different. Mm -hmm. We sat in what was meant to be my friend's buddy's seat but actually no it was mine all along that God had made a change Mm -hmm. and had invited me to go and this prophecy was so dead on to what had happened in my life and Mm -hmm. some struggles and difficulties that I'd been through and calling me out as an oak of righteousness I'd stood strong through some storms which there were some pretty intense church hurts and some battles within a church that God showed his glory through but had been very difficult without question I was like three lines down reading it weeping and snotting you know (laughs) um, so my friend knows my story and she was just I can't believe that this is on your seat and it was just really exciting Mm finished the conference and God really said to me you know I want you to focus on that and it was this prophecy was based around Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 through 4 so for a little while I was just in awe of the words of the prophecy yeah and then you know that little voice in my head you know weigh up the prophecy weigh it up how do you weigh it up by looking into the scripture asking God's word God's word is always our foundation to prophecy Mm. always 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 so I sat down and I said to God well I don't know what I'm going to find in Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4 but let's let's have a go So I got myself a brand new journal because, you know, you have to do that, right? You can't start halfway through another one. (laughs) New pen. I'm like, I do. A stack of journals. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So embarrassing. You know you're a writer when. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) And I spent days and days going through this scripture while the children were at school. There was not much uh, housework that got done. And God sucked me in and I wrote 58 pages of notes on those four verses. Oh, wow. Because God was setting it on fire and starting some change in me. Mm. And so it became obvious to me that this scripture is really our mandate. It's actually the same scripture that Jesus uses in Luke 4, where he's in the temple and he stands up and says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't do all four verses, but he does the first bit. Mm -hmm. So I was beginning to think, well, you know what? If it's good enough for Jesus, 
it's good enough for me. Mm. And I had worked in a church setting for a long time as part of the worship ministry. Like you say, I'm a worship leader. And so I wasn't the worship pastor at that particular church, but I'd done a lot of stuff around. But God was saying to me, there's there's more than that. And this is this is what I often meet when I come into contact with other men and women who've been in the church for a long time. They are just tired. Mm-hmm. And often people don't know what to do next. You know, I've worked in the Sunday school. I've greeted people at the door. I've helped with communion. But none of that feels like it's satiating my desire to tell people about Jesus. And mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it. And so, you know, my really my mandate is to revitalize weary believers with all that Isaiah 61, 1 through 4 tells us, because it it tells us that if you know Jesus, you are anointed. Mm-hmm. And what you're anointed to do is to see comfort for the brokenhearted and to see the captives released and prisoners freed and to give those who are mourning um, some hope. There's a whole list of things that we can do in this passage of scripture that is just so exciting and accessible to everybody if if you're three or 103 you know everybody can do some of this stuff so that then just lit me on fire and it was just all very exciting (laughs) oh my gosh I bet that is Mm -hmm. amazing that's so cool and so I'd already written songs for my next album because I was already doing that when we moved here our youngest was four and so he was with me for a little bit until I found him a, a preschool to go to and to enjoy and then I was home alone all day alone 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I knew nobody I am free time exactly. on your hands. yes yeah. yes and it didn't to be honest it didn't feel a lot like free time it felt like lonely time for a long time because mm-hmm. I didn't know I didn't even know how to buy the ingredients I need to make you know you have your four or five regular meals that you make for your family well, I couldn't just walk into a store and go and buy this brand off that shelf and know how much it costs and that meat from that production place or this pack of herbs. I couldn't do anything because everything was different. So right. everything felt like a struggle and hard and just difficult. <laughs> it was just a struggle. It was not easy. So to, to help me, I was doing what I knew which was to write songs. And so as I was writing these songs, it took, it was seven years worth of songs, which is a long time. (laughs) doesn't normally take that long, but because I was stalling along the way, I was waiting for this fire to be lit under me, really, from this Isaiah 61 prophecy. Mm -hmm. I was just writing and storing, writing and storing in obedience to what God had asked me to do and just to keep doing what I knew how to do. You know, sometimes when change comes, that's what we have to do is just keep doing what you know how to do. Mm. Yeah. So that that was what I was doing. And so when God started to reveal to me that I thought to begin with, he wanted me to write a book called 61 Things about all the things in Isaiah 61 that he's calling us to do. And so obviously I had plenty of notes to start. Right. 58 pages. 58 worth, pages, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that was just the first thought. You know, that's there's no digging in there at all. Yeah. I had just started conversation with a producer talking about getting back in the studio. And after, again, after this prophecy, I was absolutely certain this was the right thing to be doing. Yeah. 
And the more time I spent recording these songs, you suddenly hear the words of my heart have been wrapped around this need for knowing how to reach out for God and not just be in my home and isolated. Mm. So you hear all of that through these songs, which is just incredible to hear you know, that I that I wanted to, to help people to learn how to pray about others and how to trust God as our shepherd and how to reach out to him in devotion. When I felt so alone, the best thing for me to do was to spend time with him and know that he's present and that, you know, all of the songs that kind of show that, my journey. And so it was actually my producer. Let me take a step back again. In order to record a song, you go, you sit in the studio and, and the process usually is I'm going to play the song for my producer and I'm going to chat to him about why it sounds like this why I've used this chord progression what I want it to sound like what kind of support instruments I'd like Mm -hmm. so that we can get an idea for it so I basically tell the story Mm -hmm. and after telling the story I guess we were on our third track my producer said okay stop and I'm why What? What? what he said you know you're a really good storyteller you have to write a book about these songs and I said don't be ridiculous do you know how much time it takes to record an album and of course he laughed because he knows he's a yeah. he's a, a two-time Grammy award-winning producer so yes he knows yeah so, so I I just kind of laughed it off finished the track went home um crawled into bed normally you're recording late at night because your vocals are warmed up it's better for you then uh-huh. so I crawled into bed next to my husband who was semi-conscious <laughs> and he said oh how was your day yeah. I said oh it was really good but you you never believe what John just said John said I need to write a book and I you know just kind of expected my husband to giggle mm-hmm. well his response was well duh <laughs> <laughs> and he rolled over and went back to sleep and I was like wait what pardon yeah okay no you can't just go to sleep after that what do you mean well duh <laughs> you mean you knew this in me the yeah. whole time and you never told yeah. me <laughs> Precisely, Jamie, you know it. <laughs> that was what was going through my head. Yeah. <laughs> so then the next day I went back to the studio and we did a couple of edits on the song that I'd recorded the day before. And uh, my producer invited someone else to come in and listen. He said, you have to listen to this track. This is my favorite so far. Oh, but before I play the track, Sharon, tell, tell her the story. Mm. So I told her the story of the track and no word of a lie. This lady said, huh, you need to write a book about these songs. Mm. You're like confirmation said, after confirmation. Yeah. I asked John if he paid her to say that. He said he didn't. Uh. So <laughs> so I ended up doing that book that came out and then we paused. We paused the album in order to release the book and the album together. Yeah. At the same time because oh you know, it just needed to be together and releasing a book has weird timings. As you well know. <laughs> so we... I love how that goes together. I mean, when I first saw that, I'm going, oh, wow, this is Thank such you. a God idea, God inspired, mm-hmm. and just so proud Thank of you. you. That's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm working on my next album, and I've multiple people have said to me, you are writing a book, though, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> We're not buying your CD if you're not going to release a book as well. So. Yeah. There are, the responsibility yeah, of doing a book with every album. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. I need to find get one of my kids to learn how to do it. Yeah. So yeah. So it's been a it's been a fun journey. I would never have met John if I hadn't allowed God to change our location, and you know all of the little steps along the way. It just 
I was thinking this morning when I was just going over my notes about chatting with you mm-hmm. about the story of Zacchaeus mm-hmm. in Luke 19. Zacchaeus really had to be willing to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, poor Zacchaeus gets a bad rap because we all know what his sin was. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you, if all of my sins were laid out there, you'd think that you would know that I'm worse than Zacchaeus. Yeah. And so, so those that don't to... know Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector, right? Stole money. Yes, he was a tax collector. Yeah. And he wasn't honest. He right. took more money than he should have and was hated by his own people because he was seen to be somebody who had sold out to the occupying Romans. Mm-hmm. And so he was not loved. And the Bible tells us that the only way that he could see Jesus was to climb up a tree. Jesus came through his town, and the only way that he could see Jesus was to climb up a tree so that he could get a better view, which makes us wonder, maybe Zacchaeus wasn't very tall, and so he had to climb the tree. So Jesus sees Zacchaeus up in the tree, and he, out of all the crowds around him, Jesus sees and notices Zacchaeus and says to Zacchaeus, come on down, let's go and have a cup of tea together. That's the English version, by the yeah. way. <laughs> I love that. So, tea and biscuits. That's what it was. Tea and crumpets. That's exactly crumpets, what happened. Yeah. Jones. <laughs> so Zacchaeus came down. He went and had a meal with Jesus. And Jesus invited him to follow him, to change his life, to do things right, to change what had been wrong, and to do things well. Mm-hmm. Now, as I was thinking about, you know, my story and Zacchaeus' story, there's, there is, I think, actually for all of us, all of us who have met Jesus, what happens is there are individual, simple, one-step yeses. So Zacchaeus had to say yes to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to work today, which meant for him he wouldn't get money that day. Mm-hmm. He said yes to taking himself out, into the crowd, Mm -hmm. around people who hated him. He said yes to putting away his pride and climbing up a tree Mm, like a child. He said yes to the biggest invitation of Jesus saying, let's go and hang out together. And all of those simple yeses led up to his freedom. And, you know, that's that's what change has been for me is all of these simple yeses, although some of them have been big yeses, mm-hmm. like will God inviting us to move to another country right. and us saying yes to that. And, you know, we all have big yeses and simple yeses. But to be honest, the simple yeses are behind that invitation of God to move to America mm-hmm. was previously to that we were about to move to another village. Mm-hmm. And on the day of exchange, the people who were buying our house pulled out. Mm. So we were living in boxes <laughs> and we didn't get the keys to our new house. So in, in England, that means the whole chain, we have a chain that's different. It's a different system. Mm-hmm. It basically, the sale fell apart and we couldn't move. But what had happened previously to that was God was asking me, are you ready to move from this village to the next village? Because I was one who repeatedly would say, I hate change. I hate change. And I would say it over myself and out loud all the time. Mm -hmm. So God asked me to that one simple, seemingly much smaller, it was literally three miles down the road. It would mean a different school, just because of the system in England. Mm -hmm. But it was basically, you know, my friend group, the same church, the people I loved. Was I willing to make that small step? And the answer was yes. But then the house 
sale fell through. Had we moved house, we would have moved into a 1932 cottage and poured a lot of money into it to refurbish it. Mm -hmm. And so when the offer to move to Dallas came for my husband, we would have had to say no. Mm-hmm. And because my heart was already willing to say yes to a simple move, God said, look, you said yes before. Will you say yes again to something more? Mm-hmm. And so my heart was just in a place of readiness. You know, yeah. it took me a long time to see that. Mm-hmm. So when oh, God invited us. soil, you know. Oh, that's good, yeah. Amy. Yeah. Yes. Making you pliable, making you moldable. Yeah. Yeah. And like in the Zacchaeus story, it was a bit for me, if you use the soil analogy, it was a bit like God had planted a tree years before Zacchaeus had to climb it. That tree didn't just magically appear, although God could have done that if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. That tree had been growing there for years. Years before, somebody had planted that tree for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. And for me, you're right, that soil was softened Mm -hmm. for such a time as, are you ready for the big move? Right. Because then I could say, actually, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love how he prepares our hearts mm-hmm. in such a way that he's so gentle with his approach. It's mm-hmm. like the little steps, little bite-sized amounts so that we can take the bigger amounts. I just yeah. love how he just approaches us in such a gentle mm-hmm. way and just prepares us for the bigger and the more and the really better way of life for us, right? right? But we don't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. He sees it. You can say that all over again, over and over again. It's so right, Jamie. Mm-hmm. It's true. Right. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So and I can relate because we moved from California to Texas. and mm-hmm. <laughs> That's also another country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it really is. So the whole time you're talking, it was an adjustment for us too. And, you know, did you feel like there was a year where you really felt like there was a, a pivotal turn? Did you ever think, oh, I'll move back at some point? Or were you just full on – okay, I'm embracing my new place where I live in Dallas. And because I know I had one foot in California and one foot in Texas for a good three (laughs) years. And it wasn't until maybe that third year, which three is is a big number with God, (laughs) that I Mm -hmm. finally felt, okay, I'm making a life here in Austin, you know, and this is where God has me and I'm not going to fight it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. And it's funny that you say three. So we we did not sell our house in England. We rented it out and had people living in it until the third year. (laughs) And then we were like, we're done. And we sold the house and we decided, we talked about it with the children as well, that we needed to change our verbiage. Instead of saying, when we went home to England, we're going home to see my parents. We're going home to see our friends. We called this Dallas, Texas, home. Yeah, mm-hmm. and honestly, it's, we still slip sometimes because I sure. will forever be English. That's where my heart grew, but there is a huge part of me that is now, as our son used to call himself when he was little, mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> and it, it's true that that there was a shift in our hearts of we have to make a decision and intentionally use our words carefully. And say, 
you know, stop saying I hate change and stop saying, oh, we're going home to visit family. This is home. So now we call this home. And um, like I say, we might still slip and say oh, we're going home to see my parents, but we actually refer to this Dallas, Texas as home. Well, um, and I think it's okay to have more than one homes too. I mean, I used to feel yeah. like, oh, I got to say one or the other. And, you know, until finally a pastor told my friend and she was struggling with the same thing. And so she was able to pass on that wisdom onto me and to just encourage that we can have more than one home. Like it's okay to say, Mm -hmm. you know, England's my home. Dallas is my home. It's okay. Right. And, you know, and we got our home with Jesus. That's our true home, we should say, right? right. So You're preaching today, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I think by nature, we do not like change. There are some people who do. They're the crazies, though. The rest of us are normal. Right. I'm just joking. If anyone listening going, I like change. Or they love adventure, you know. It's usually, yeah, I love adventure, you know. I like to take risks because there's something exciting in that. But I think if you use the word change, it's usually like, oh, (laughs) it's like a a negative Mm -hmm. to it. It made me do it. Yeah. And for me, it became really clear that my my heart shift happened. Mm-hmm. This is so embarrassing, but I'll tell you. When we decided that we saved up enough money to change the paint on the interior. So down our house is lovely and it was very livable in, but the paint downstairs was orange and brown. <laughs> and I mean I like orange. In fact, we still have some orange accents downstairs, but it's burnt orange. It's kind oh, of yeah. dull and kind. This was not dull or kind so we had to save up the money to get it painted because it goes all the way up in the in the entranceway so we couldn't just do it ourselves it's mm-hmm. the entranceway is a two-story entranceway yeah. we had a friend of ours come in and she's an interior designer to talk to us about how because the light here is different and so you can't just do what we'd have done in England mm-hmm. because the light so clo- much closer to the equator I didn't even think about these mm-hmm. things but the light is different so you have to be careful about what colors you use Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, we narrowed it down to three or four colors, all different kinds of shades of green. And I had big splotches painting on, painted on the walls. So I was very proud of myself for getting that far. Yeah. But it stayed like that for six months, Jamie. <laughs> You're like, six accomplished. Okay, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. We'll talk about this in another three years. And then I was just, Gareth, my husband Gareth was saying, you know, we were going to England for a few weeks uh, on vacation. For so Actually, we had to renew our visa, I think, back then. He said, this would be a great time. We had someone living in the house, and but he was working all day. So this would be a great time to have a team in to get the painting done, to decorate yeah, the walls, to paint gone. the walls while we're gone. So you need to make a decision. And I said to him, why don't you just choose? I said, because I think really you want to, don't you? Because he would have done it. And I said, yeah, no, I do want to. I do want to. And I just was like, I can't, why can't I do it? Why can't I do it? And I was just praying about it one day. And my response was, finally, I asked God instead of, I asked God at the beginning. I don't know. But finally, <laughs> I asked God, what's wrong with me? Why can't I pick the paint for goodness sake? It's not that difficult. And that's when God revealed to me that, you know, I really have been hating the change. There were so many things I'd had to do. When we moved here, there was so much that I just had to do, like finding a doctor's and a dentist and a school and the swim club and the ballet school and all of that that had to happen 
and it just had to be done that I was over making decisions and having to see yeah, change. Yeah, you're overwhelmed. <laughs> and, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. And God said, you know what? You have to stop saying, I hate change. You have to stop saying that because if I say that, I can't be like Jesus. Because what does Jesus call us to? He calls us to be like him, yeah. to change, to be like him. And oh my goodness, do I need that? Yes, yeah, I do. Every day, do right? I want that? Yeah. Exactly, yes. And so I've had to stop saying that phrase, I hate change. On that day, I just went, okay, we're having that one and that one. We're done. Moving on. And hopes to goodness that when we came home, we liked it. And we did. So it was okay. But, you know, I was just like, this is ridiculous. But it was because God was trying to show me something about my own heart, even when I couldn't choose the color. How ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of like, (laughs) let go and let him. And Mm -hmm. I love that we're changing every day and changing to be more and more like him, will you know, never yeah. achieve perfection, but we're growing in our character yeah. so that we can bring others right. to belong in his kingdom and heaven and for yeah. eternity. Yeah. And I just love the change of your move. What you did was you didn't just throw the covers over your head like some of us do where we just get in a depressed state and we become paralyzed and it just becomes harder and harder because we're not moving forward in the new life, the new community that we're in. But Mm -hmm. what I see is you pressing into God even more and you pressing into Mm -hmm. your gifts of singing and writing these songs out and then having the stories behind them and then having Mm -hmm. other believers around you encouraging you to combine it with a book and because we see this gift in you you're a great storyteller so you had all this encouragement this community which is so important we're designed to have relationships with others because this is it if we isolate ourselves we just get stuck and that's when the enemy can just come at us and we're just spinning around in our own thoughts repeatedly and Mm -hmm. we're not renewing our mind with God's word. So as you're writing songs, as you're writing the book, you are immersing yourself in God's word. And therefore that was propelling you to move forward, embrace the change and get acclimated where you are. So yeah. That's right. That's so good, Jamie. I would say just the first couple of years, I probably did walk around with a blanket yeah. over my head. Okay. Uh, yeah. But but I also okay. lamented. I mean, it's all over the scripture that, you know, when we come, lament is when we come to God and complain. When we come to God and say, I don't like it. What are you doing? Where are you? What's going on? That God, God allows us to do that. He really does invite us yeah. to do that for two reasons. One, because he already knows what's going on in my heart right. anyway. So we might as well talk about it. And second of all, when I complain to God, I am talking to him. Yep. And that's what he wants. I might be saying that I'm sorry for myself and God will want to shift that. But as I look at God's face, even in my in my fear and in my sadness and in my brokenness, in my disappointment, when I'm talking to God, I'm looking at him. Yeah. And that's when the change starts to happen. So I would say that to your friends too, everyone listening. 
even if you're upset about something, take it to God, talk to him about it, tell him, because in that moment, just being in his presence brings about something, some kind of a change, because when we see him, we are changed. Yeah, yeah. he can take our realness. And yeah, yeah. And, and if yeah. you are... Rem- he loves yeah. it. If if you're yeah. reminded each time, you already sees what's going on in the heart. You might as well. It's okay to speak yeah. out how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done it. I've cried out. I've been mad. I've been angry. And he can take it. And yeah. where you reveal, you heal. Because after that, you just feel yeah. lighter. <laughs> you feel like mm-hmm. okay. You know, some people feel shame, but. There's mm-hmm. no need to. We know shame comes from mm-hmm. the enemy and it's not from God. Yeah. And he just loves yeah. that we can just come to him raw and real and just pour out mm-hmm. and just lay it out his feet, like whether, you know, whatever emotion it is. So, exactly. Yeah. You are on fire today, Jamie. Oh. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, I've had so much fun with you and thank you so much for coming on here. Is there anything you want to conclude with? I guess I would just say that what I've learned over this time, over the last 10 years, over 10 years, goodness, that makes me sound like a slow learner, doesn't it? But not at all. No, there's no timeline with God. God's like, yeah. Again, (laughs) preach on, Jamie, preach on. (laughs) (laughs) I have learned two things I need to allow God to fully love me fully love me even in my in my fear and my complaining even in my disappointment or my my loneliness I've had to allow God to fully love me so I'd make that a challenge Mm. to all of us to really look at that am I allowing God to fully love me in every area of my life and second of all in that moment when you're communing with God, you know, what I like to do now is to ask God, what one change can I make today to be like Zacchaeus and make that one yes, a simple yes, a simple step of obedience? What's the next yes that you want from me, God? What's that step of obedience? And maybe you're at the place where I was back when I had to move move houses just to the next village. Maybe we're still at that place in some areas in our life where we're just saying, yes, I'm going to pack some boxes. But maybe you're now at the stage or we're at the stage where it's, yeah, I'm going to change countries. A big yes or a small yes, but they don't, a big yes does not come out of the blue. It comes with one step after another step after another step. So I just encourage us to always think, ask God what one change he's inviting you, he's inviting me to make today. Mm. So good. I love that. And when you were saying packing boxes, that brought me back a memory when we had our home, like a loan modification where they adjust our loan, but we were ready to move because we didn't think we were going to get that modification. So I packed Mm -hmm. up like half the house, Mm -hmm. just preparing that. And then we were able to stay Mm -hmm. for a little bit. But then when the economy Mm. really crashed, then we were done. We were out of there. But that was the preparation Mm. because that was that Mm. small yes of I'll go ahead and pack up half the house and I'll say yes to Mm -hmm. this, right? And go for that change wherever you take me, God. But, you know, that little yes ended up a 
bigger yes with a huge move mm-hmm. from a different state. So totally can relate. So Thank you so much. And I would yeah. I would be willing to bet that everybody listening has made some small yeah. yeses, but we need to look for what they are because sometimes we just we dismiss the small yeses as oh no big right. deal. But actually see that you've made progress yeah. because the small yeses lead towards the big yes. ones. Yes, so good. Thanks, Sharon, for coming on here. Thanks for having me. It was so lovely to chat with you. Thank you. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jamie Elizabeth She Speaks Life. That's J-A-Y-M-E Elizabeth She Speaks Life. Until next time, my friends, I pray God reveals himself through your own life story.